one-week management course got shrunk down to a series of one-day workshops that then got shrunk down to a series of half days that then got put into hour-long e-learnings and from that eventually to small nuggets of micro-learning. And so we've seen learning shrink from weeks to days to hours to minutes. That's Darren Short. Darren has managed learning and development teams for 31 years in both the United States and the UK. This includes 15 years of leading HRD in global high-tech multi-billion dollar companies. Darren's work has been recognized through awards for training in virtual worlds, as well as podcasting. And he's the host of several HRD podcasts, including Human Resource Development Masterclass. You're listening to Dear Human Resources, and I'm your host, Marilyn Germain. In this episode, Darren is going to talk about how technology is changing the way people learn at home and how that is transferring into the workplace to change what employees expect of HR in their organization. Welcome, Darren. Marilyn, it's great to be here with you today. So we know that technology is changing the way people learn at home in a number of ways. So for example, in the past, if someone wanted to learn something new, they had to go to the physical location, right? Like a, a library or even a classroom. But today people can learn anything they want from the comfort of their own homes, thanks to the internet. And I'm one of the, those first people. Can you give us some specific examples of how technology is really changing the way people learn at home? You're spot on. I think there is a significant delta between how people learn at home versus learn in the workplace. And when I think about this, I tend to focus on six ways in which technology has enabled changes to learning outside of the workplace. And my shorthand for saying that is going to be learning at home. And when I say at home in this conversation, I basically mean anywhere outside of the workplace. And when I think about it, I really categorize them as six core changes. So I'll walk through those quickly, and then you may want to dig into some of them, or we can explore some examples of them. The first of the six for me is people can now learn when they need it, as opposed to when somebody is available to teach them. So they no longer have to wait for a trainer to become available, a teacher to become available. They can learn exactly when they need to learn it and then can immediately apply it. This has made it possible for people to learn at their own pace as well, right? And on their own schedule, which is the point you're making. And that's yeah, something that many employees really value, right? Exactly. So I... Um, uh, recently, my vacuum cleaner broke, and I'm sitting there looking at this vacuum cleaner, thinking, how do I mend it? So I Google the brand of my vacuum cleaner and the problem I've got, and up pops a two-minute YouTube video that tells me exactly how to mend my vacuum. So I watch this two-minute video. Having watched it, I then go back to the beginning, and I watch the first 15 seconds again, and then I duplicate what I've just seen with my own vacuum cleaner. And then I watch the next 15 seconds and then I duplicate that. And having done that and worked my way back through the video, I've got a working vacuum cleaner again. 
the old school model of thinking about learning would have been probably, first of all, I have to wait for a class to turn up that's called vacuum clean and mending. And that could be weeks away or months away. And then when I finally got into that class, I would have to learn everything about vacuum cleaners and all of the possible ways they can break, as opposed to just needing the two minutes of information that I needed. And so the fact that I could actually watch that YouTube video exactly when I needed it and use it straight away, I think is a significant change to how people learn outside of work. Absolutely. I mean, this is one of the reasons YouTube is so popular. I mean, who hasn't YouTubed something to repair? I'm one of those. I mean, I remember Googling, you know, how to repair a lawnmower and it worked. It's amazing. Yeah. And that kind of connects us to the, the second of the six changes, which is that learning can not only happen at any time, it can happen anywhere. So I can do that Googling and watch that YouTube video anywhere. I can do it on the couch. Podcasting is a great example. People are learning by listening to this conversation right now, and they can be learning anywhere. They could be in the car, on the treadmill, in a plane. They don't have to be tied to a desk. They don't have to be in a classroom. So, so we've seen, so therefore we've got two of the six already. People can now learn when they need it and they can learn anywhere. Even if they have busy lives. Lives are so busy. And I think one of the things that technology al allows us to do, therefore, is to speed up the access to learning and speed up the way that we use learning. And that access actually is like the third of the six, strangely enough, because the third of the six for me is that learning is searchable quickly as a result of technology. And that speeds things up as in like old school learning would require me to go through a prospectus to try and find the right course, or it would require me to go through a one hour e-learning course to try and find the 30 seconds of information that I really need. Whereas at home I and mean, outside of work, learning is so searchable. If I don't know something, I can Google it. And within seconds, I've got access to Wikipedia pages and YouTube videos and websites, all of which give me exactly the information I need in a matter of seconds, mm -hmm. not old school ways, which could be hours, days, possibly even weeks before I could access that learning. If it was even available, you know, some of that learning was never offered. You're doing a wonderful job of segueing me between the six without even knowing <laughs> it, because the, the fourth one for me is that availability. It's instant access. One of the great things about technology is I can access the content I need without there being significant barriers in place. In most old school ways of learning, there are barriers put in and those barriers look like things like you have to have an approval to be able to attend a course, or there's a prerequisite for this course. So you have to have completed course A before you can do course B. Well, technology allows me to bypass all of that and to get straight to what I really need. So at this point, kind of go through those first four. People can kind of learn when they need it. They can learn anywhere. They can get straight to it because it's searchable quickly. 
And once they've found it, they get instant access without barriers in place. And I think those four combine to really speed up learning outside of the workplace. And one of the beauty of it, and I don't know if that's another segue to what you're going to say next, but that video about mending your vacuum cleaner was free, right? Oh, it was YouTube. It, <laughs> it, it was free and it was delivered by somebody who was an expert in solving that problem, which is like the fifth of my six, which is that technology allows me to learn from the expert. Now, old school learning often meant that somebody was learning from a general facilitator, a general instructor, a general trainer. And we see that still in workplaces now, as in I could attend a training course in an organization where the trainer in front of me is today teaching managers how to coach. And then tomorrow is teaching a class on sales techniques. And then the day after that, they're teaching a class on how to write performance reviews. And so they're an expert simply on the small piece of content that they've got in front of them. They're not subject matter experts. They're generalists who specialize in instruction. Whereas Outside of work, you know, good example, if I want to learn about comedy, I could access a masterclass on comedy that's taught by Steve Martin. So outside of work, I'm used to the idea that I can get the information I need from the expert, which means when I'm in the workplace, I'm increasingly questioning, why do I have to learn from people who really aren't experts? So I think that's like the first four, the fifth one, therefore, is that learning direct from the expert. And to wrap up the six, the sixth one for me is that learning outside of work is increasingly short and focused. I use that example of the YouTube video being just two minutes. When you think about how learning has changed as a result of technology, as you said, I've been in learning and development for 31 years. So when I started, it was very common to put people into one-week management development programs when they first became a manager. And what we've seen happen to those over time is a one-week management course got shrunk down to a series of one-day workshops that then got shrunk down to a series of half-days that then got put into hour-long e-learnings and from that, eventually, to small nuggets of micro-learning. And so we've seen learning shrink from weeks to days to hours to minutes. Unfortunately, within organizations, much of that learning is still in chunks that are an hour long, two hours long, a half day long. Outside of the workplace at home, people are accessing learning that is typically seconds or minutes and it gives them exactly what they need. So that kind of helps learners to stay engaged and motivated as well, right? It helps them to learn more effectively. Now, I'm wondering if this kind of micro-learning that you're describing and learning how to fix your, you know, manage your vacuum cleaner in two minutes, that it reminds me of kind of a Taylorism of uh, learning, right? You're learning small portions of something. Do you see that a potentially a problem not learning the whole piece, not understanding how those micro 
videos, those small portions of videos connect with each other to really understand the vacuum cleaner as a whole. Do you see an issue with that? Yes, because I think when people design micro learning like that, I think there's two critical components to it. And often the second of those two critical components is missed. The first component is the learning that needs to be in that micro learning. The second component is helping people connect that learning to other micro learning that's available to them. Mm -hmm. So the analogy that I often use is that if we think of learning as being a jigsaw puzzle, and that jigsaw puzzle consists of a thousand pieces, and the front of the box gives the picture of what we're making. It's a picture of a field of corn. And the puzzle, therefore, is a thousand pieces. Sometimes people just need one of those thousand in order to be able to move on with their job. As in they've hit a problem, they need one of those pieces. But if you just give them that one piece without helping them to understand that this is a piece of a larger puzzle and that at some point you're going to be given a second piece and this is how to connect those two pieces together. If you don't give them that, they actually never know that the front of the box was a field of corn and they may never know as they're given individual pieces that these pieces do belong together and can fit to form a larger picture. And so I think we do a disservice to learners if we simply give them the piece without that second component, which is helping them understand enough of the whole to know that this piece is a part of a bigger picture. So those changes you just mentioned in the way people learn are having a significant impact on the workplace. Can you explain how? For me, the significant impact is the credibility gap that we're increasingly seeing in a delta between how people learn at home versus how they learn at work. And so because of that credibility gap, people go into the workplace and they almost have to check in and forget that this is how I learn outside of work and adopt an old school way of learning in the workplace which makes learning inefficient, it makes it ineffective, and increasingly, from my perspective, impacts the organization's bottom line. Then if you take a look at learning happening at home, learning happening outside of the workplace, think about how fast it is, how efficient it is. If you could transfer that into the workplace, just imagine the improvements that you would see in performance, in productivity and efficiency and effectiveness. And so we're losing the chance to see those gains because for some reason, when people walk through the door of their building or the metaphorical door by turning on their laptop, if they're working remote, they somehow have to forget that learning is so easy and instant access and immediately usable at home. And they have to go back to some older school way of learning. And, and it feels so, so I think there's a credibility gap um, and, and increasingly people joining the workforce and the generations that are joining the workforce now, they would view learning in organizations and wonder, why is it like this? As in, why do I have to learn this way? 
a good example why do i have to leave my desk to go to a training course or if i'm sat at my desk why do i have to close the application that i'm in right now mm -hmm. in order to open up some lms to get access to some learning or why do i have to watch a one hour e-learning to find the 30 seconds of information that i need it's a real credibility gap and it makes learning look um poorly aligned with the realities of the world these days. And it's created an expectation, right? So employees are expecting HR to provide them with the resources and the support they need to learn and grow on the job. And that includes providing perhaps access to online learning platforms, perhaps tuition reimbursement, and creating opportunities for them to collaborate and learn from each other. Do you think it's created that? I do. I think it's created as part of that a sense in employees of why would I hang around in this organization? Because if I hang around in this organization and I'm learning at 10 miles an hour, metaphorically, I could be in another organization and learn at 60 miles an hour. So the longer I'm stuck in this organization learning at 10 miles an hour, I'm falling behind my peer group in the workforce. I'm becoming less employable. I'm reducing my chances of getting promotions and getting higher positions in other organizations. So I'm doing myself a disservice hanging around in this organization, learning the way this organization has set learning up. So any organization that's running 10 mile an hour learning needs to be thinking, if I want to retain my talent, and I want to be attractive to new employees, I need to rethink how I do my learning. So how do you suggest HR departments adapt to those changes? I typically talk HR departments through nine actions that they can take, and they all align with the sort of problems that we've been talking through. The first one is stop associating learning with courses. Instead, associate learning with cultures and environments. So you want a learning culture as opposed to a set of learning courses. Second thing is stop thinking about the creators of learning as being trainers and facilitators, and instead think of them as being systems designers, culture curators, tool implementers, people who are implementing technology and systems and culture. The third one is an interesting one for me, which is think about the gap between when your employees identify a need to learn and when they can actually learn. And that gap should be measured in seconds or minutes and shouldn't be measured in hours or days, or in some cases you see in organizations, weeks or months. But if I'm sitting doing a job and I think, oh, I don't know how to do this step. I need to be able to get an answer to that question in a matter of seconds or minutes. Anything that's longer than that is reducing my productivity. And the fourth is, that think about how folks are listening to this podcast right now. People are leveraging mobile phones. They're leveraging podcasting. They're leveraging Microsoft Teams that's on cell, on cell phones. If employees have cell phones, they have the ability to learn anywhere. So rethink about where learning happens. The fifth for me is you know, connect people with questions with the experts in the organization that have the answers. 
you pointed to this yourself, Marilyn, earlier in the conversation and the, the fact that learning gives folks an ability to get to the expert. And those experts exist in organizations, but organizations frequently aren't connecting the people with questions with the people with answers. They're connecting them with general trainers or facilitators. How do you suggest they connect them, though? Well, there's multiple technology ways of doing it. If you go back a few years and we had discussion boards and then organizations had discussion boards where employees could post questions and other employees could jump in. And I worked with an organization who had a body of people that they called their thread killers. And the thread killers were the experts whose job around the organization was to watch the discussions and they knew they were the expert on a particular topic. So they would look for a question related to that topic. And their job was to jump in there and to kill the thread by giving mm -hmm. the ultimate answer. So, so isn't that in addition to their job? I mean, how is that perceived? It's a rethinking of coaching in my mind. And so we've always had this expectation, hopefully in organizations, that people are available to coach other people. And prior to technology, that coaching happened by me sitting next to somebody else. And that was the only person that I could watch, the only person I could ask of questions. So mm -hmm. I would turn to that person and that person would coach me. But what technology allows us to do is to remove that physical concept and to say, it doesn't matter who you're sat next to. What matters is that we're able to connect you to the person who's got the answer. And so if we can do that through SharePoint, if we can do that through Microsoft Teams, if we can do that through a technology platform that allows you to get a quick answer to your question, it isn't burdening the expert any more than they would have been burdened in air quotes before because they've always coached. What this allows them to do is to coach the people who would most benefit from the answers that they have. So... Evidently, HR departments that are able to adapt to these changes will be well positioned to attract and retain top talent. Because as you mentioned, young, especially younger employees are expecting that, They're expecting organizations that are up to par with learning and development. And they are able to you know, learn and grow on the job, and they're more likely to be engaged and productive, right? Which in turn, can lead to a number of benefits for the organization. Can you think of an organization or a couple that are model in terms of learning and development? And you mentioned, you know, creating using platforms and using the technology available. Any organizations are really kind of like doing the right thing? Well, I won't mention specific names, but all of the organizations that I've looked at that I think have most impressed me have been organizations that have become early adopters in technology. And so their organizations, and most of those that I've seen, have been in high tech. And so they are naturally early adopters in technology. Mm -hmm. And rather than wait a few years to see whether technology beds down and to wait to see whether this is the right technology platform, they adopt technology early and they try it out and then they help to grow that technology through feedback to the technology providers. And so they're gradually influencing technology 
in the direction that would help them as an organization. You don't have to be a high-tech organization to be able to do that. As in, when you take a look at some of the actions that organizations can take, for example, remove barriers to instant access to learning, as in you can do that simply by questioning why do we have prerequisites? Why do people need approvals before they can learn? You can work with your learning and development team to get them to break down learning into small units. So if you're leading an HR team and you see that your human resource development department consistently puts out two-hour courses, you can challenge them as to why are we doing that? What could we have done to actually have put out a series of 10-minute modules that allow people to get access to the content they need rather than get them to sit through two hours they could then identify the 10 minutes that they really need. So I think there is there are steps that every HR department can take to challenge learning and development, to just to move in the right direction. Technology is an enabler. It allows much of this to happen. But even if you're in an organization that doesn't have early adoption of technology, you can still take many of these steps to move learning in the right direction. So do you know of organizations that, for example, have created a pool of short videos that explain a specific aspect of the job, a specific, you know, uh, specific topics? And people can literally go on in that pool, that digital library, if you will, and they can search by keyword. I mean, is that a one way to do it? Absolutely. And then I think other organizations have taken it to the next level, which is to embed that learning into the tools and systems that their employees use. Good example, I uh, recently was in a conversation with the learning team of a call center. And what that call center have done is embed learning into the uh, CRM that their call center Mm -hmm. employees use. So if a call center employee has a screen up in front of them and they're speaking to a customer um, and that customer answers a question a particular way and the call center employee doesn't know how to then take the conversation forward, but without leaving the CRM, there's a little button that allows them to click on a keyword and that will open up the equivalent of an internal wiki page that they can scan quickly. And it could open up a video that they could watch that would give them three steps that you should take when you hear the customer say the following thing. And so they can do all of that without leaving the software that they're already doing their work in. So I think the time is gone where we should expect employees to stop working in order to learn. And what we need to do is to embed the learning into the work process. And I think the expectation in terms of the quality of the videos has changed over the years as well, right? When we look at training videos, they don't necessarily either need to be made or created by a, a company that is going to cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, perhaps, or even hundreds of dollars. And can the video be done in-house? Yeah, I think that's such a great point. When I think we all know ourselves, when we have a question to a problem, if we go to YouTube and find the video, 
we actually don't care that much if the video is grainy. We really don't care that much if the audio quality is poor. The, the, you know, the video could even be jumping about a bit. As long as it gives us the answer we need quickly, we're totally happy with it. And I think that's really what people are focused in on, which is, I've got a question, I need the answer, and I need the answer straight away. I'm going to forego any issues that I've got about quality. As long as I get the the correct answer quickly, it allows me to move on. And too often when I look at learning teams, there's such a focus on getting something that's already 90% right. And the effort that goes in to try and make it 95% right is so wasted. The employee was very happy with 90. In fact, the employee would have been happy with like 60% quality as long as the content was right. I, I think any HR department could look at that and question, why are we burning so many cycles getting good content out late? Because right. we are trying to polish it up. And then there's an authenticity aspect as well. It's like, you know, if it's a fellow employee, we can relate more to that person if they explain it. You know, there's a kind of a, we seek that authenticity in, in learning. Anything else you'd like to add, Darren? For me, I think the, the kind of wrap this up, I think what I would encourage listeners to do, particularly if you're in an HR function of an organization, is to put yourself in your own shoes, which I know is a strange thing to say, but you are a learner in your own organization. So take just a, a couple of minutes and to think about how you currently learn outside of work. So something you've needed to learn as a human being outside of work, and then think about what it would have taken to learn something inside of your own organization and to look at that delta and if you can see that delta as an HR employee, the chances are other employees are able to see that delta and possibly experience an even greater delta. And so I think for me, if you can see that, that's a sign the time is right to take action and the time is right to start taking steps to close that gap. And there's steps that you could take this week. It doesn't have to be, we're going to take a year to identify a technical solution. There's steps you could be taking straight away to connect employees to experts. You can be taking straight away to make sure the next course that you release, you release quickly, that you release in short bursts. And you can be doing all of that by taking the first baby steps in the right direction straight away. And I think it should start by you really generating your own sense of what that delta is between how you learn at home and how you learn at the workplace and the desire to then close that gap. Thanks for your insights, Darren. This was really fun having you on the show. I really enjoyed it. It's always a pleasure chatting with you, Marilyn, as well. Thank you so much for the chance to, to be on the podcast. Thank you. Support for this show comes from Western Carolina University, a campus of the University of North Carolina system, with the technical assistance of Kelly Minnis.